0: Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God
1: has created you to be.
0: Today, we're going to be looking at, is Jesus first in your heart, in your life? Is He first? I don't know about you, but... I needed to stop and not continue with David, a man after God's own heart. But if we really looked at David, God was first in his heart, wasn't he? I mean, everything David did, God was there. He went through some seasons of some times where God wasn't first. And when we see those seasons, what what, what took place? Problems, situations, anguish, hurt, harm took place. So let me ask you a question, and lately it's all about questions. I ask them to myself all the time. Today I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. Is Jesus first in your heart and life? Now before you answer that, because we're so quick to answer questions that are so easy. Do you love Jesus? So quick to answer that. But we have to realize what does that question really mean? Is Jesus first in my heart and in my life? And reason why we have heart and life because two are different. Two are different because life is what we do. The heart sometimes is what we say we believe, but we don't do it. It's like a half truth. We know a lot of things. Love thy enemy. How many of you have an enemy or a person you don't like, but you're not loving them? Hmm? How many? Uh, it could be in politics. It could be in a, a, some church. It could. It could be anywhere. It could be your neighbor. Love thy neighbor, but you have a neighbor that just rubs you the wrong way. Are you loving that neighbor? Love thy neighbor as yourself. When's the last time you brought an apple pie over to your neighbor that you don't like? They probably won't eat it. They think you poisoned it. But I mean, (laughs) at least you could bring it over. So let me ask you that question. Is Jesus, is Jesus your first love? Is Jesus first in your heart, in your life? Not just because you got a little religion in you. A little religion ain't going to save you. A little religion is not going to change you. A lot of people have religion in them. A lot of people know Jesus. A lot of people know he's alive. You ask them if they go to church, they don't go to church. Church Church is not important to them because they have other things that's more important. They have... Recreation that they want to do. They want, they want to clean their car. They want to work on their house. They have no time for the things of God. But if you ask them, do you believe in God? Yes, I do. I believe in God. But belief is always an action. You can't say, I believe something and don't, know, don't show no action with it because what you love, you'll do. Someone say amen. amen. So what does it mean when someone puts you first? Now this is interesting. Because we go to restaurants, and we order, and (laughs) Lord behold, if my suit comes back cold. Now, it's probably not your service fault. It's probably behind there. It could be your service fault. But nevertheless, we want to be served. We want people to serve us. But what happens when someone goes out of their way to serve you or to care about you? For example, for example, you are walking one day into a store, and this person sees you, and you're about 75 feet away, and they just wait for you to hold the door for you. How does that feel? How does it make you feel when someone goes out of their way to, open, to just hold the door for you? Does that feel good? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, or how about, how about when a person, you go into a restaurant, and the person is ready to walk in the door, but instead of going in to get in line, they push themselves out of the way, and they let the other person behind them go in so they can go in first. That means you might have to wait a little longer. How do you feel when someone puts you first? How do you feel when, you know, you're you're in the rain and, you know, and I'm going to use you ladies because you hate getting your hair wet. Okay, right, right? My hair, no, 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 can't get wet. So I'm going to say there's a lady who's, in the rain, and, and all of a sudden, she's getting out of her car, and she's looking. i got to do the 50-yard dash so my hair don't get wet. And and then all of a sudden, as she gets out of her car, this, this guy comes who doesn't care about his hair. No, it's another lady who has an umbrella because she doesn't want her hair to get wet. But she sees you. She takes her umbrella, puts it over you, and says... Dear, let me, let me just cover you with my umbrella. Let's go. Let's walk together. She walks in. She gets wet. She has a bad hair day because she served you. How does that make you feel? You'd say, no, no, don't do that. You know, no, 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 you no. Know, you have an umbrella. You brought one. I didn't have enough faith to bring one. <laughs> when we're served, when someone puts you first, it feels good. When someone does something like that, it feels good. So here's the big question. Here's a big question that I want to ask you. Who is it in your life that you put first? Who is it in your life that you put first before you? Now, in this message, I want to focus upon God. But I really believe that how you feel about God will determine how you treat people. If you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, we'll talk about that surely. When you love God with everything, you won't just be thinking about your own little bubble and my own little convenience. And, and well, you know what? I had plans and me, 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 me. No, 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 no. Because see, that's not the spirit of Jesus. Because Jesus went to the cross. And was he thinking about him? No, he was thinking about you. So we have to adjust our minds and say, who am I living for? Am I living for my comfort? Am I living for me? Or am I really sold out? Am I all really all in? And say, you know what, God? I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. I am all yours. Because hasn't he bought you? Hasn't he sought you? Is, is your vessel ownership of Jesus Christ? Do you wear the shirt property of Jesus Christ? If that's true, is that true? How much, of his, how much of your time and how much of your vessel and how much do you really do what God wants you to do? Or do we always on our, what we want to do, and we want to do, what we want to do. And yet we say, oh, love God, love God. And God can't even get anything in your life because you've got it so packed up. Because you have plans. You know what the Bible says about plans, right? God laughs when man makes plans. I've learned some lessons there. I wanted to challenge you this morning because all of us should be a, a little bit oh, altruistic. Altruistic, altruistic, altruistic. I can never say it. Altruistic, there it is, altruistic. That's a person who's selfless. That's a person who desires to help people. Altruism is simply this, is one who acts to promote someone else's interest at the risk of costing themselves something they're willing to put themselves second to order to think about something else that's altruistic that's to say i'm thinking about someone else i care about this person so much that i'm not caring about myself but we live in a world today that that's not the case and trust me, I come from a point of uh, area where I get to experience that, where people live that way. When it's inconvenient to us, we don't want to do it. And yet God's looking and looking for agents and looking for people, but yet we come with our criteria up, oh, go and do what you want me to do, Lord. As long as it's in my criteria of what I want to do, that's where we fail. When I came to the ministry, when I first came to the ministry, I cheated my way all through high school. And I'm all in my boiler room with, a, with an ambition to make $150,000, $120,000 a year, retire early. And I, I, I could have done that. It was not hard to do. Not at all. And then invest. All of that, not not spend, go hog wild, but invest all that money, not just uh, going in the big houses and the cars and do and waste all the money, but invest it for the next 35 years and then pretty, pretty much be on easy street. That was my plan. Most people, they can make the $130,000, but they spend it all. And it's so foolish to live so high. But nevertheless, people choose to do that and everybody has a choice to do with your finances, but there's... God asks us to be wise in our finances. Whether you make little or much, you still be wise with your finances. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we have this, this idea that we don't we don't we're not wise. But that was my plan to, to do this and to be better off at a very early. But one day I gave God a blank piece of paper. After I separated the two pieces of the paper of me working in my trade and making good money, or just dedicating my heart to the Lord. And I said, God, I want this because this list says others and this list said me. And I picked up others and the next day, the next day, I was thrown into Bible college against my will. (laughs) Well, I had to say yes, but I was reluctantly saying yes. I was thrust after I said that. I gave God a blank Piece of paper. I To this day, I give him a blank piece of paper. If he chose me to go to India tomorrow, I would be on the plane to go to India. And I have plenty of opportunities to go to India. And I love India. But the reality is God always has a blank piece of paper for me. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. That's still the same song. That has to be all our song. It can't just be, well, that's his song. God bless him. God, your plans may not be God's plans. We act like our plans is what we are to do. There's a difference. If it's God's plan, God will do it. Trust me. But he'll do it differently. Joseph didn't expect to spend all that time in prison to get to the palace. He had these great dreams. But it took a long time before the dreams came into a reality. David had the promise to be king, had the promise to be king, but he went through so many hardships before he got there. All God's asking for you and I. It's to truly grab hold of what he's trying to say. Listen, I'm trying to talk to you, my child. Are you listening? Do you hear my voice? Do you know my voice? And are you putting God first? God first. It's so important. If I ask you this question, what is love? What would you say love is? Then I would say, who are you showing that love to? If you say you love that person, if you say you love God, how do you show God you love him? I mean, how do you do if something's inconvenienced to you and it's inconvenient to your schedule and it's something to do with God? Could you imagine if we had church service at six o'clock in the morning? Some of you might like that. I would have no problem. Six, I wake up anytime I have to do wake up. I have no problem with that. I'll be waking up way more before six, six, six o'clock sounds pretty good for me right now. But I want to be up and going by six in the morning so I can end my day earlier. So I can get rest to the body in which God has given unto me. I want you to understand this. I'm going to talk about three things today. Really four. Really five. <laughs> Really, I'm just joking. Four things. First thing I want you to understand is God demonstrates love towards us. God demonstrates love towards us. Forget the of. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one begotten son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not come into the world. And this is important for all of us to understand. For God did not come, send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Who, whosoever believes in him is not condemned, but whosoever does not believe and stand condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light came into the world, but the men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. God demonstrated love towards you and I. Tell someone today, God loves you. Go tell them, God loves you. When it says that God so loved the world, he's not talking about the, uh, the, the world itself, the cosmos. He's talking about the ones that are in the world, you. You make up the world, right? You're in the world. Remember, God created everything we see, and then the greatest thing is he puts you in it. Everything he made, he made this for you to enjoy. Isn't that crazy? It wasn't like, oh, wow, look what I've done. No, 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 no. It's when he put his DNA in you and said, oh, my word, fearfully and wonderfully made. Wow. Look at John 15, 12. This is a powerful portion of the scripture. My commandment is this. Love each other, now catch this, as I have loved you. Wait a minute. Jesus loved me, and now I need to love others. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friend. Wow. You are my friends if you do what I command you. What does this mean? It means be all in, be connected. Jesus was so connected to his mission, to why he was here, that he was willing to lay down his life. Well, that was the reason why he came. He kept the focus. ...to what he had to do. Isn't it true we lose our focus sometimes in life... ...because of situations and circumstances that come in our way? When we feel pain, when we feel hurt... ...don't we lose our focus? And we start feeling this and feeling that... ...and we miss the God of faith. Let's look at this. Ephesians 1, I want you to share this. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ... ...who has blessed us in heavenly realms... With every spiritual blessing. Someone say every blessing. Every spiritual blessing. That's found in Christ. So he's provided everything you need. Problem is. We don't always go to God for everything. We don't stay steady. Verse 4 says this. For he chose us in him. Catch this. Before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in his sight. In love. He predestined us to be adopted by his son. Adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Before the foundation of the world, before it all came into existence, he had a plan for you. And Jesus, the Messiah, was the plan to put us back in the right relationship. Now I want you to understand the God who knows that before the world was, he already had a plan. He already knew. The God and just didn't happen. Oh my, didn't expect that one. God had to allow that to take place because he made us volitional. We make choices. Our choices today are our results tomorrow. Sometimes you can blame certain things on other people's choices, but sometimes you can't blame anybody from choices because those choices were yours. Own them. Learn from them. Become better for them. That's a good point to say amen. Amen. So we recognize that God has demonstrated his love for us. Amen. And just a few scriptures. But but we need to have a demonstration of love towards Christ. How do we now show Jesus we love him? If we go to Deuteronomy way in the beginning of the law, and as Deuteronomy is second law, and as they remind the people of the importance, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, These commandments I have given you today are to be written upon your hearts. They are to be on your hearts. To love God with all. Someone say all. All All your heart, all your soul, all your strength. This is powerful. Because when you look at this, this is really understanding that. Am I living and loving God with all my heart? Really, am I? Am I I living my life in a convenience mode? Or am I really being disheartened? getting out of the mode when, when someone needs something or, you know, do I got to get up earlier because this prayer. Now, I can't go to prayer because I don't feel like it. We we live our lives according to how we feel, but you got to get past your feelings to say, you know what? I'm going to do because it's going to honor my God. Amen. And I'm going to serve because I'm going to honor my God. I'm going to live because I'm going to honor my God. Amen. Because when you live not for yourself, and you live to honor your God. You live differently. You have a different song. You have a different rhythm. Because you're here and you have a greater purpose. You're not just going through the motion. You're living with an experience of God. This is what makes it different. And even when this last month has been really challenging, I thank God for the journey. That's right. A couple times i thank God you have such a great sense of humor. I was just sharing a moment because then my body has been beaten. I'm tired. I'm very, very tired. My body's beaten, and I didn't need a month like that. And guys, this is not funny. You ever been there? Yes. You know, all time things you got to do, this This is probably not the best time. Mary probably thought that was a great, not a great thing that she had to experience while she was betrothed to Joseph. Hey, thanks for getting me pregnant. You know, this makes sense, does it? Yet God has a way of working sometimes that if you stop complaining about the moment and see what God's trying to do in the vessel and in your life so that you can shine even greater and even get closer to Him. Your struggles, your problems, the things that come in your way are not to hurt you, but to help you to be stronger as you lean on the everlasting arm that does not grow weak or weary. You want to hold them? You want to just complain about them? You just want to go humdrum? You just want to be, oh, oh, nobody knows the things I've gone through. Yeah, you can sing the song, but if you pop your little fanny there, let me tell you something, you're going to be one miserable person. Anybody can pock their little fanny in a, in, a, in a miserable spot. But you've got to rise and know who you are. You've got to know who your God is you got to know what his word says. And he says you're triumphant in him. You're not a victim. You're a victor in the name of Jesus. And even in the midst of the stuff, God can rise you up out of the miry clay to put you on a rock to stay. And you can give him the glory. But you have to choose to be all in. We can go, our words are cheap. Now, if you know me, you know words don't impress me. You can say the nicest thing to me and I'll say thank you you can guarantee I'll never get a big head. I've just been through too much stuff and I've had too many words. I've had people say some, some wonderful words, you know, and then in and then, and the next, next, I don't know, three hours, do something that's just contrary to what was just said. Doesn't make sense. I've just been through some stuff, like you have, but it's a choice to rejoice, amen? And you gotta know your God in the midst of the pressure You've got to know your God that he's your lamp, he's your light in the midst of the darkness. You've got to know who he is and not allow all the static all around you to cause you to focus here and focus here. God wants to focus on him. That's where he wants your focus. And when you get the focus right, you ride, the faith rises up within you. You get to know who he is. is there was a story, you know, that in Matthew chapter 22 the experts of the law, religious leaders, were trying to trap Jesus. And so they asked him a question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus answered, powerful. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 316 laws in the Jewish commandments. And God says, God says, these two rules right here hang everything else on them. Because if you can learn to love God and love others, everything else is a breeze. You mean I gotta love my neighbor that I don't like? Yeah. Watch this. I mean, I gotta love my uncle that just drives me crazy? Yeah. How about that nephew that just drives me batty? Yep. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. <laughs> God says, God says, with all your heart. The heart is the emotion of the soul. And we go wrong there because we allow our emotions to dictate how we feel, you know, I'm scared, I'm fearful, I, I like to, but, 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 I can't. All this emotion stuff has nothing to do with faith, has nothing to do with trust God, has everything to with allowing your emotions to lead you. Never let your emotions lead you. Emotions play a part in the holistic of how we are, but emotions shall never lead you. I have made it a a real deal never to make any decisions simply out of emotions. Because if I have or did, my life would be different, very different. Because I was led by emotions. So God says, I want all your heart, I want all of your emotions to be focused on me, not on your circumstance or your situation. Someone say amen. Amen. He says, I want all your soul. The soul's important because the soul actually encompasses the will, and that controls the whole thing. Your will really impacts your whole soul, the whole being. And when you're, you're willfully desiring to serve God, love God, know God, you have a willful heart. God says, I want your whole being. And then your mind. Well, this is the cognitive understanding. This is the knowledge. And he wants you to take the knowledge and put it into practice. It doesn't matter that you know that you should share the gospel with people. It doesn't matter that you have the understanding of what Jesus did for you and what God's called you salt and called you light. You have all this scripture understanding. You have all this scripture knowledge. It doesn't matter if it's not applied. It doesn't matter. God says, I want all of your mind to be focused on me and with your will, do what I've asked you to do. Let me just give you one more. 1 John 4, 19, 21. This is is us loving God now. God's loved us. We love God, right? I'm going somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going somewhere. (laughs) We love God because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Call someone a liar, see what they say to you. You liar. God just said, you're a liar. If you say hate your brother and you say you love God. And God, this is what God tells you. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command: whoever loves God must also love the brethren. Mmm. You see, we like to choose and pick who we love. I love that person because they're nice. I like that person because they're kind. Yeah, they don't go that way in Christianity. You gotta love your brother and sister. It doesn't mean you have to hang out with them 24 seven. Hello. It doesn't mean, there's some people I don't want to hang with because they're just giant naysayers. They're just negative about everything. I am not a negative person. And a negative person, listen, you want to be negative and have a miserable life, go right ahead. That is not what God wants for you. You are letting the devil rattle your cage and mess you up. God has nothing to do with negative. All things are possible with God. We need to understand it and realize it. He's a good God. If he can heal cancer, what other problem can he have? I mean, come on, if he can heal and he can. How many have been healed by God? Raise your hand. See, next time you have a problem, I want you remember what he's already done in you. Well, you know, I'm getting older. Welcome to the crew. I, I don't know. Let me guess. I think everybody in this room is getting older. We're all getting older. It ain't your age you have to focus on. It's your attitude that you have to focus on. You have to focus on, am I going to be a man or woman of faith and take it all the way? Or I'm going to just allow my circumstances to determine how I feel and my attitude how I feel. And if I'm having a good day, everything's going good, the sun is at a certain degree, the wind's blowing just a certain amount of miles an hour, the sun is just shining, shining on me just right. And I have a Kool-Aid in my hand. I'm a happy camper. Sometimes it is that way for some people. Everything has to be perfect before they're happy. Lord, behold, if everything if everything isn't right, you ever been? I'm not picking on you on this, okay? Because I've already picked on you. I'm sorry, but I, 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 I'm not picking on you. But have you ever been over someone's house and that they set up the table? and they put the fork in the right place, the spoon, the napkin, and and, and it's a beautiful table. And you go to it, and you say, I'm not using this, and you go, and you mess up their table. They give you the evil eye. Like, why did you move that fork? Because I'm not using, I'll use one fork for my salad, I'll use one (laughs) fork for my steak. I, I don't need three forks, you know? And I'm just saying that sometimes people want to get it so right and miss the bigger picture. Man, I just need a fork. That's all I need. Don't have to have three forks, and I don't care if it has three prongs, or two prongs, or four prongs. I just need a fork. I can bring it to my mouth, and I can chew on that sucker. Mm. So let me get to the nuts and bolts of this message. That was our prelude. Uh, look, number three, believers, unfortunately, forget God when he's no longer first in their life. And this is what the problem is. We forget God. And we don't really don't have a shirt on that says, I forgot, I forgot God purposely. We don't, we don't do that. But, but believers forget God. They start to, they replace God with something else. You know, they go through a hardship, go through something very difficult something really hard, and instead of, instead of, like, thinking, okay, I understand this is hard, God, I'm not sure what you're going to do, they just, they just displace God, they just say, you know what, God, I'm not following you anymore, because, because you didn't do this, God, because this happened, God, I'm not, I'm not following you no more, God, and the problem, the problem, the problem with that is they miss the whole picture, they don't miss what God is actually doing. There's a lot of times in our life where it doesn't go the way we want, but God's doing something. He is actually working things out. If we just pay attention to the journey. Amen. Revelation talks about Revelation talks about a powerful portion of scripture, the Ephesian church. And in this Ephesus church, and in this, they were a church that did some good things. Some say good things. Okay, we don't think of we everybody does some good things, even a person that's not a very nice person, actually can do some nice things. And this church had some really nice things. They did some good things. and They were commendations, but then God did this. God really said this to him. You have, I hold, yet I hold, you've done all these good things, commendation, then condemnation, here it comes. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the heights from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did first. If you do not repent, if you do not repent, listen now, I will come to you and remove your lampstand stamp, lamp stamp from your place. I want you to get this. This is important. Because sometimes we live our lives and we get conditioned. And we think, hey, I did this. I did this. I did this. But doing that, love's not the, love is not in the picture. It's not love through a relationship. It's more like doing the right things you're supposed to do. Hey, you're in church. That's great. You're in church. But is your heart in church? It gets to 1210. You know? 1210. 1211. You're dying to get out already because you have someplace to go. The old comfort mm-hmm. chair is calling your name. Then you get there and you get it all comfortable. Really? Is God that Less important that home, getting home or a meal is more important than maybe what God will do or how God will use you to touch someone who's going through something. You go to a party and you don't worry about time. You go to some type of event that you enjoy, you don't worry about time. But yet God has to continually, continually. And don't get me wrong. You don't have to be eternal to be divine when it comes to time. I get that. But when it comes down to the presence of God, when it comes down to seeking God, when it comes down to really hungering God, and for God to do the uh, supernatural, you want God to really show up. You want God to do something in your family. You want God to do something in, in this city. You want God to do something in your heart. And yet, and yet, and yet, we're so preoccupied. We're a divided heart. So how can God do what God wants to do if his people are a divided heart? We have to watch our own heart. Every one of you is in charge of your own. I'm in charge of mine, you're in charge of yours. But if we do things going through the motion, I go to church cuz I have to. I go to church cuz I was made to. There's no heart. There's no heart there. And if there's no heart there, the growth will never take place. The light will never come on. Because Christianity is a relational It's a relational journey. Christianity is not religion. It's relational journey. As you go from one glory to the next glory, from the next blessing to the next blessing, you're growing. And it's not just what you're receiving. It's how God wants to bless you to be a blessing to someone else, whether it be in the altar and you pray for someone or during the week you're talking to them, encouraging them. This is what it's about. it's important. So here's the church of Ephesus, and yet he said, you do all this, but you've lost your first love. You've lost your first love. Sometimes you ask yourself, sometimes, have we really left our first love? Because it's true. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 15, 8. These are the religious leaders that were spoken to, and Jesus says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, their teachings are but rules taught by men. Sometimes in our Christian walk, we can go through the motion, just go through the motion. We can be in church and yet not pay attention to one thing that's going on in church, because we have more important things. I want to know what's happening on Facebook. I want to know what's happening on here. I want to know. I, I want to know the news. I want to know. I want to read my bulletin. Over and over and over again. One time, one time I saw someone stay on their bulletin just looking at it for 20 minutes. I stood in my office just examining and looking and learning because God was speaking to my heart. And I just said, okay. So I did. And one person was just had a bulletin like they were, I don't know. They just kept it in front of me for 20 minutes. And I said to myself, Lord. What's the purpose of a person coming into church when they don't even pay attention to it? How are they ever going to experience you? How are they ever going to have a friendship with you so deep and so rich? How are they really going to experience the power that can do all things? How are they ever going to have an experience with you, Lord, when their heart is not here? I don't care what God has done in your past. I care what God is doing in your present. Because what happens in your presence will dictate what happens in your future. It's so important to understand that this is an all-in thing because one day we're going to die. One day we're going to meet Jesus face to face. Period. And there's only one thing that's going to make a difference. What did you do? Not what you said, but what did you do? How were you a person? Would they say that you were one who was all in? Would they say that he's a person who loved God all the mind, with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength? Because one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. So I want to challenge you today to take it to the next level. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whatever we do and eat or drink or whatever we do, do all for the glory of God. Someone say whatever. You know, How many want to have an attitude right now and go whatever? (laughs) Did anybody ever do that to you? You say, hey, you want to do this? Whatever. (laughs) Angie?
1: (laughs) Juan,
0: do you want to say anything? (laughs) So let me take you to the nuts and bolts of this message this morning. I want to show you that God so loved us. I want to show you that God says for us to love him. I want you to see that sometimes we lose our love in the process. And we say things with our lips, but when it comes to actions, we're, we're, we're falling short. So how do I know? How in the world do I know that Jesus is first in my heart and in my life? Write these things down. These will be good for you to ask yourself some questions and do some reflection. If God is first in my heart and in my life, does, is love seen? In my life, is mercy seen in the way I treat people? Do I live a life of grace towards others? Because Jesus says, "Freely you receive, freely you give." Did He give you love? Yes. He giving you mercy? Yes. He giving you grace? Yes. How do you treat other people? Are you critical to them? Are you always finding their faults? Are you always just... Are you giving words of exhortation? Are you building people up or tearing them down? How are you loving them? Where's the mercy? Where's the grace? Number two, if God is first, there should be willful acts of sacrifice of obedience. In our time that we give to God and others, in our treasures, our resources, as we give unto God and give unto others, that we have a generous heart motivated by love. I always love the story of that little boy in the candy store. The little boy in the candy store with his mother and right there in the bottle it says, "Take, uh, take some candy, but the little boy doesn't move, doesn't move. And the mother says, it's okay, it says free, you can take some candy, but the little boy doesn't move. And so the the owner of the store is seeing this thing take place, you know, the little boy wanted the candy but not taking it, reading the sign but not taking it, hearing the mother say, go ahead son, it's okay but not taking it. And so finally the owner just went over and took his big can and put it inside his and it overflowed his, he had to use two hands and they left the store, the little boy was so happy. And then the mother said, son, why don't you just take the candy? And then she says, "Oh Mom, did you see the ha- his hands? How big they were?"
1: <laughs>
0: if we could just capture this, The illustration is funny and cute, but it's true. We are so sometimes stingy with the little that God gives us. We're so like, so apprehensive about this, and, happen- and don't realize that we have a God who's more than able, more than able. And money is the least of the blessings of God. God can take care of cash flow. When it comes to the church, everybody has to do their part. And I guarantee a church would never have a cash flow problem. The problem is his own people, his own people who he has blessed, has not been obedient to the resources in which has been provided. And they have hoarded and hoarded and say, no, 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 I'm not going to give. And therefore, there's a problem within the church. And they are responsible for the church not growing that's going to be answering between them and God. Because when God blesses us, it's a sharing. When King Challenge was here last week, God moved upon my heart. Told me exactly what to do. Did I plan on that? Absolutely not. That was just something that came from my heart. God said, do this. I said, okay. That was that simple. Okay. Okay. Look at someone and say, Okay. Sometimes you are just got to be obedient. So this is what it's all about with your time, with your treasures and your talents. A lot of you have talents and abilities. God wants you to use them. Don't go ahead and uh, uh, believe the lie. I can't. Uh, that's just not me. You're looking at someone who's speaking publicly and something I would have said. That's not me. I stuttered. How would you like to hear a person stutter? And his message was 40 minutes, but he stuttered, and it was an hour and a half. God loves you. Could you imagine how long that sermon would be? It reminds me, i got to tell you this. It reminds me of this guy who sold encyclopedias and stuff, and he just started He just started work, and the guy, he was the number one sailor in the first week. Everybody else who's been working years couldn't even keep up to this young kid. They finally set him down and they said, how are you selling all of these encyclopedias? How are you doing it? Your top sales of the last two weeks now, you just came on, you're new. How do you do it? He said, I, well, I just, I, 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 I asked them if they li, 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 like to the, buy an encyclopedia or, 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 or would they like me to read it to them? <laughs> I stuttered. I I I when it comes to communication you you're not talking to the one who should be in this place to communicate in the area of literary this is not my forte and yeah and yet, here's the blank piece of paper and I said here I am god and whatever you want to do that's all god's asking for you and I to do is just open up oh well well you know I got this many years I you know many winters I have traveled yeah what's your problem Go read Caleb. I hope I'm just as spunky as Caleb when, he gets, when I get 80. He's like, give me that land. The land that the people of Israel did not conquer, he did. He says, I'm just as strong and I'm capable of going into battle. You know the reason why we don't go into battle? Because we keep self-talking ourselves. Your self-talk is so much worse than anybody who can down you with words. Because you're listening to you every single day. You're giving yourself the self-talk that's tearing yourself down. Don't get me preaching. <laughs> it's true. And so you want, I want you to understand that, that you need to give God your time, give God your treasures, give God your talents. Just surrender. Let God do the work. He's just asking your first step. Problem is, you're too scared to take a step. You do nothing. It has nothing to do with God. It's all about faith. If you trust God, stop walking. If you trust God, stop believing him for great things. Is he a big God? Is he a big God? Is he more than capable? Then what is holding you back for doing great things for God? See, we can say, amen, brother. You go get him. I'll be right behind you. If God is first in your life, there is going to be a hunger to know God in relationship. People say, I love God. Do you really? Do you love God? Then how much time do you spend in that word? How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you pray, pray for other people? How much time do you spend in, in, in corporate prayer and, and in Bible study? How much time do you put yourself in the place to learn and to grow? Man, I've heard all my life people say they love God. No, 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 no. They have it in their mind. They say, I love my family. Don't spend no time with family. I love my wife. Don't spend no time with the wife. I love this person. Don't spend no time with that person. Do you really love? I love God. Spend no time with God. Do you really love? And I'll tell you one more thing since I'm on a roll. (laughs) That if you really get to know God's love, Loving people will be easy. Well, brother, you don't know such and such. No, no, no. You get to know God's love and know how much he loves you and how much he's done for you. Listen, if you think you're all that in a bag of chips, look in the mirror. God's grace and God's mercy has been lavished upon you and he so much wants you to do the same for others. And the only way you can do that, the only way you can do that is through the grace of God. The more you get closer to God, the greater grace and love you carry in the heart. There is a hunger to know God in relationship if God is first. If God is first, there is a grow deeper, not just a knowledge, but to grow deeper in his presence. If there's a hunger for God, there is a desire to please God even in the midst of problems and pressure. That's how you get to know what your faith is. That's not how you really get to know your faith. You got problems? Yeah, well, God, if you haven't done it for me, I'm not going to church. You don't do nothing for me anyhow. Ra rah rah, 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 You know, really, sometimes we as God's people treat God like I'm only going to serve you because, you know, since what you've done for me lately. You know, as soon as God don't do what God want to do, I've had plenty of people say to me, oh, it's easy for you to say, yeah, yeah, I know why you're like you, because God does everything for you. Oh, really? Really? Well, I like to put them in my shoes. Not Shoes he's talking about. But God is always working. Yes. Sometimes you have to wait a while. Sometimes the waits not so long. But our job is to walk by faith. Amen. When Jesus is first, our words of love match our acts of obedience. Now, this one here, I'm going to step on some toes. So, put your toes in. As a pastor, there are many times there are many needs. And sometimes the needs are always greater. And people say, I believe God for, that he can heal anything. I'll say amen. I believe God can do this. I'll say Amen. And then I say, well, we need someone to take somebody on a journey, on an appointment. All of a sudden, God can't get that car, can't go that far. I'll do whatever God wants to do, but don't let me drive past this level because God, God can't go over there. But I can believe God for great miracles. I have a problem with that because the problem I have is that, that all of a sudden you're willing to trust God for everything, but are you willing to trust him to get you outside your comfort zone. No, I want you to build a boat. Oh, sorry, Lord. Don't build boats. I'll do anything else you want me, but I don't do boats. God's looking for available people without any conditions. We always want to put conditions on what we do for God. And saints, as much as I love you, you cannot accomplish the will of God with conditional love. You know, I'll do what you want me to do. This is the Lord's car right here. This car, the Lord's car. However, the Lord's car can't go that far. It's like the little song. The, oh, you know that song? Um, can't get to heaven. Oh, you can't get to heaven and pass his car because pass his car can't go that far.
1: It's,
0: it's the bottom line is that the vessel who owns the car says, I want to serve you. But I'm only going to serve you so much, Lord, because I can trust you for miracles over here. But I just can't trust you in my driving. Really? I think there's a lack of. I think that's fear. Trust God. That's how we become agents of God. Not with conditions, but to say, God, here I am. I don't feel confidence. Well, that's good, 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 good. Because your confidence shouldn't be in you. Be confident in the very thing that he would begun a good work and you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And if he can take care of you over here. He can take care of you as you'll be a blessing to the body of Christ. Somebody say amen, because that's just downright truth. I thank you for that one clap. <laughs> <laughs> you see people don't realize this we always want to serve God out of convenience and the church suffers because of convenience because everything has to be just right before we do what God wants us to do God don't, God's not looking when he's looking for a person he's not looking for a person with a bunch of conditions I'll serve you God but and that's why we have so much we have lack in the body of Christ throughout the churches is because people will only do what they want to do. This is the Lord's car, you know? But the Lord's car can't go that far. It's like, really? People say to me all the time, it's like, you know, I come to church, but I run out of gas. Really? You can't believe for God for gas? Just believe that the pastor will give you gas. Just believe that. If you can't believe, God will help you. Because I'll give you gas. Have no problem, I have a ministry, gas ministry. Trust me. (laughs) You know as Bob We look for excuses. I'm done with excuses in my own personal life. I'm passing it on to you. Whether you want to absorb it or not, it's up to you. I, I can't control your choices. But I am going to speak to you straight and with love because I love you too much not to be honest with you. If you want to do great things and you want to see this church multiply and reach people, we need to be in people's lives when they have need whether they're part of the body or not. And those requests that will come your way will take you outside your box that you give an opportunity to care and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me how much you love God. And they don't want to know that. They want to know how much you love me because I'll see your God through the way you live your life. Let me, let me continue. One of the things that I think that we need to think about, if we love God first, our love for God will be seen in our consistent actions in the way we want to learn about God. Church is important. Small groups are important. Listen to this. Prayer is more important. Did you get that? You get a church that really wants to pray. I guarantee you that will be the oil that will be the igniter because when God's people pray, when God's people really want to get in touch with God and they're hungry and they don't care, but when you're at a prayer meeting, pray. Your voice is just important than anybody else. One of the things that bothers me so much is people don't want to pray in a prayer meeting sometimes. My word, oh, I like to get electric, electric shock. You got something there? Give it what you got. Talk to your Lord. Open their mouth, give them praise. Because I'll tell you something, it's gonna do something to your neighbor. It's gonna do something to the body. And when the body gets excited about a God who can do all things, all things are possible. When you're faced with obstacles, it's only because you've taken your eyes off the goal. Love, our love for God must be seen in consistent actions. That's how you know God is first. You have consistent actions towards God. God is your focal point. Our love for God must be seen in our time and how it's spent. Let me share this powerful portion of scripture with you in Matthew chapter 6, 33. And this is important. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things will be added unto you. There's two principles in this, this scripture. It's almost a cause and effect. The first is that we need to seek God. The second one is that it's God's response from your seeking. You've got to get this. So God's looking at you to seek him. And he looks down and he says, there's a servant who's really seeking my heart, really seeking my will. And because they are, I'm then going to take care of them. I want you to get this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says, and all those other things that fall under the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, I'll add them to you. I will bless you. I don't know if you get this or not, but I want you to think of ch- your child. And your child asks for a bike. When I was younger, I wanted a three-speed bike. Now, some of you who are older, you're going to know exactly. And the three-speed bike, and it had these big handlebars, like chopper handlebars up here, because I wanted to believe I was driving a chopper, you know? Now, if I got a motorcycle, I would never want a chopper. But back then, I thought it was cool until you ride a chopper, and then all the blood goes out of your arms. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, this is not comfortable. (laughs) But I wanted a three-speed with high handlebars, and it had the tassels and and a banana seat. Anybody remember the banana seat? (laughs) And I went to my parents all the time and oh, I want this bike. I want this bike. I want this bike. And what do you think my parents did? They got me my bike. So on Christmas, I come into the front living room and my parents didn't make a lot of big deal about gifts. Don't ever ask my parents for something on the line. You know, your checkout line and the kid goes, I want that. That would never happen with my parents. No. But on Christmas, they went all out. They all, every Christmas went out. And the presentation when we first come into the room, was like, <gasps> so I did the same thing with my kids, you know, and try to make that presentation look awesome so they would have something to remember. And there was my banana seat, my three-speed bike, Woo-hoo! had a little horn,
1: ah, ah, ah.
0: and I was so happy for a whole four months. Yep, until it got stolen. <laughs> I want you to understand something. By that time, I was over my, my bike, and I was ready for a new one, another one. But I was so happy to get it, and my parents listened to my heart. I want you to understand, God hears your heart. You're his child. He hears your heart, but he wants you to listen to his
1: heart first
0: before he under, before you can understand this journey it's like a person saying, I just want you to listen to me. I don't care what you have to say. I just want you to listen to me. Have you ever talked to someone like that? They're not even listening to you because all they're thinking about is what they want to do. What they, what they want, how they want it. Doesn't make a difference. They're just like, la, 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 la. And sometimes we do the same thing with God. We want God to listen to us. But how are we listening to God? So Matthew 6.33 says, Seek. Now, let's stop about this, and I want you to get this seek thing because this is, this is powerful. What does it mean to really seek God? I mean, think about it. If you were to say right now, from 1 to 10, how much are you really seeking God on a daily basis? How much? How much are you really seeking God? Seeking God for all types of things. How is it happening? What is happening? Let me give you an illustration. The, the definition for seek says this. The desire to obtain or achieve something. So let me let it go even deeper. So, you just lost your keys to your house. How do you, and it's the only key that you have to your house. How do you seek for those keys? Do you tear your house apart? Do you get everybody looking? How about, watch this, Lord, behold, you lost your phone, your cell phone, (laughs) and it has everybody's numbers on it. Cause you don't know anybody's number without your phone. It's like, I don't know anybody's number anymore. I just hit their name. There are so many. Ask a young ask a teenager, I should ask Alex, a couple questions about telephone numbers and see if he knows people who still. Have. I bet you he knows nobody's telephone numbers. Hardly anybody's telephone numbers, you just hit the name. Huh? You have a couple. And how many telephone numbers do you have on your phone? 80? He's a popular boy.
1: <laughs>
0: and he knows just a couple. Do you know your mother's? You know your mother's phone number? Okay, that's good. You know your dad's? Okay, all right, good, good. That's all he needs. <laughs> so often, so often you lose your phone. What happens? You'll tear that place apart. So here's a question. Here's a question. You, are you seeking God like you lost your keys to your car or your phone? Are you seeking God with the same intensity? How hard are you seeking God? The Bible says, seek the Lord. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all those things will add unto you. But are we seeking God like we're seeking the other things that we want? The answer would be no. The next question I would ask is, why not? The reality is that we have so many things, we get preoccupied, we get distracted. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. That means to pray constantly, bring God into the present situation. We need to be intensified about our seeking. I was thinking about Jacob. In Jacob, Genesis 32, Jacob met the angel of God. And he said to the angel, I will not let you go. And the angel had a hard time getting separated from him. And so he put his hip out of joint. Even with his hip out of joint, he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. How are we seeking God? Sometimes we run from his presence so quick. You know, we only get a small amount of time during the week coming together to seek the Lord, to ask God to do something in us so that we can go out these walls to be more a greater light, a greater amount of salt to other people. But sometimes we come in hopefully end quickly do you remember hide and seek how many played hide and seek you sought the person because you didn't want to count again the motivation in hide and seek is to find everybody so that you get a chance to hide because that's more fun to hide than go find everybody I want you to understand God wants us to seek with a passion God wants us to seek with a passion. But there's three types of people. People who are just not seeking God at all. They just don't care. Second type of people, they know God, they know a lot about God, but they spend very little time seeking God. They go through the religious antics and everything, but if you ask them how much time they really spend making God their heartbeat, making God their focus of life, Putting God at the top of all of their ambitions, all the things they want to do, all the, their day, whatever it is. God's in charge of the day. Amen. I got God. He sets. He's, I put him in my calendar on my day. There's times that I meet with God on my day. I don't stop my day at all until I meet the face of God. is not going to happen. Why I do that? I want to stop my day off Right. Let me challenge you. I don't care if you're a morning person or a night person. Starting your day off right with something, inviting God into your day can make a difference in your day. Amen. The second person is they know God, but they don't seek God. They just It's not there. And the third person is the person who has this understanding that they want more of God, and they put God, and they invite him into every circumstance. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not unto thy own understanding, but in all thy ways, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Thomas Kempis said, seek God, not happiness. Sometimes people want to seek God just because they want to be happy. God gives you joy in your trials, not happiness. And I'll take joy any day. While I was in a trial, while I was in discomfort, while I was challenge in many areas and still taking a class and graduating from a class while everything was going on I kept a joy you weren't gonna see me going oh boy Oh drum I had I had plans <laughs> I'm like okay God I don't understand it but you and I are gonna go through this together not complain look at your neighbor and say I'm not gonna complain anymore I might have made a bunch of, I have made many liars out of all of you. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Let me look, second part of 633, we're going to close. 633 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God will respond, God will respond to meet you at the point of your need when you first seek him in his righteousness. All the, but the problem is we get it wrong. All we're doing is seeking God for my need. God, I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want. And God says, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not seeking me. You're thinking, you're seeking what I can do for you." Sure. Have you ever had a friend who only wants to hang with you because you've got something they want? Amen. You ever have a friend who just wants to hang them with you and stuff just because they want a free meal? Hey, what you doing today? I'm going out to eat. Well, I'll come with you. because you always pay. I like you. <laughs> Not that they like your company, but they just like a free meal. Jesus had those people. Jesus called them out on it. He talked about the elephant in the room. You are just here because you like what I did and I fed you. You want more food. Right. Now, if you're a lousy cook, they won't, they, you know, they won't eat your house. <laughs> if you're a good cook, they'll love you. I'm still working on my cooking skills. Not there yet. I haven't started a fire. That's good. God's promises, if you seek first, when times are easy, when times are tough, when times are unfair, when you question the moment and don't understand, but you choose to seek God, God is going to respond. Encourage your neighbor and say, God's going to respond. Matthew 4, 4 tells us, Jesus says, It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So let me close this with you, a challenge. Our time with God must be seen in our actions. Our calendar, Christ must be seen in our day. Our finances and our love for God will be seen in our bank records. Our heart for God will be seen in the character in which we live. Our relationship that we have with God is seen by the amount of time we spend with Him. Our hunger for God is seen in our choices we make every day, from the little choices to the bigger ones. Our hobbies are seen by the way we love God whether we put more money into the kingdom of God than we do our hobbies. And our service for God is always seen by how we care for others. What if, what if we prayed and believed God would hear what we need and he would respond? What if, what if we hungered for God and wanted more of God in our lives so that we could be more pleasing to God but be able to be a better vessel for God? What if we read God's word because not that we had to because we really want to know the author of the book? What if if we cared for people and put other people first before ourselves? What if we made sharing the gospel with everyone we met a priority in our life? What if what if we made time to serve God and expect God to work?
1: I'm going to say that
0: again. Serve God but expect God to work. Sometimes I don't think I think we go to prayer not even knowing God's going to do it. Well, God's going to do it at his time. Yeah, God's going to do it. Your faith makes a difference. Your belief. What if we stop believing God for who he is? and we see him big, we can live big and believe God for bigger things. What if we made time to serve God and expected God to work because we had faith and believed that what we were saying was true? What if we were mindful of the needs of his church and his people and were willing to do something about it? Not just to hear about a person, and do nothing, but what if we were to truly act upon the thoughts that we actually say to ourselves? What if we didn't say, I can't, but we said, you know what? I can. I can do this. What if? What would your life look like? How would you be different if you stopped saying can't? Oh, I really hate saying, I I don't like the word can't. I really don't. I'm doing things now that I don't want to do. I don't wanna do these things, but I am not gonna say can't. And I'm learning so much in the process that that's exciting, but it's not my forte. But I could say I can't do that. It's not in my vocabulary. I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna learn it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna accomplish it, and I'm gonna say praise the Lord for it because in God we can, we can do all things who Christ strengthens us. And even though the connotation of that scripture is different, the truth of the scripture is so loud and accurate. What if we believe God beyond what we see? What if we really took God's word for what it said? What if we really knew how big God was and is and how capable he is of doing great things? What if we really started to believe God? What if? What if we were to love God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and to love our neighbor as, our, as ourselves? What if, what if, what would this world look like? What would his church look like if we really took ownership of this and said, God, I'm all in. No more am I gonna serve you with, with limits, love you with conditions. But God, here's my blank piece of paper. I'll go where you want me to go, I'll be what you want me to be, I'll do what you want me to do. I'm all in. No hesitation, no fear, because I'm gonna walk by faith and not by sight. What if, what if? I tell you what, life would change for us. I'm gonna pray for each one of you but then after I'm done praying. I'm going to challenge each one of you to join me down this altar. Those that want to come. With this condition. You want to be all in and no longer putting putting stops on what you will and will not do for God. You're going to start walking with a faith and say, you know what God. If I can do this. If I can believe you for this. I can leave you for that. And if you want me to do this, I'm open, Lord. You have given me breath in this body. No longer am I gonna put hesitations and barriers. I'm open to be what you want me to be and to do what you want me to do. I'm available. And as uh, as little Samuel was listening to God, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Be that child once again. Be that child once again to stop focusing on what you want to do and what God wants to do through you. And let's take it to the next level. Let's take it to the next level. Let's really see God show up and show off as you do your part. And I promise you, as you do your best, you do your best. Someone say best. God will do the rest. Can you stand to your feet? For those online, and for those here, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, today's message was a message of challenge and exhortation, challenge of to stir your mind to think of where we are with God and what we're going to do for God for the amount of time that He has. Whether it's 20, 30 years, we don't know the time, but what we do with the time is most important. But if you don't know Jesus, or if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, it's very simple to say, Jesus, I've sinned. I've done wrong. Jesus come to save us. That's what he came. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And if you just say, right where you are sitting now, and you're here today, you just say, Father, forgive me for my sins. I've done what I wanted. I've done things that are wrong. And today, I know that you died on the cross for me. And this day... I surrender my heart to you and I want you to make me new through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, my God, in whom I will trust all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Use me. I'm yours. In the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. Now put your hand on your brother and sister's shoulder for a second. Father, I just ask right now that you would touch each one here. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would speak to each individual. As your word has gone forth, I pray that you stir the ground, change the ground, and give plan and purpose to every step from this this day forward. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict in the areas of conviction. And I pray, strengthen in the areas to strengthen. And I pray, Father, a new direction, a new thought and mind and plan and purpose that no matter what we do, no matter what we do, you, Lord, are the captain of the vessel. We're here to honor you, to give you praise, and live out the insult and light that all may see and experience your goodness and your greatness. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God some praise.